Hi, everyone. Welcome to Being Patient Brain Talks. I'm Deborah Khan, founder of Being Patient. Um, we've been hitting this topic a lot lately, which is the economics around dementia care, um, how you can navigate the insurance systems, um, how you prepare and plan for the cost of dementia. Well, I was so happy to be introduced to a documentary called Spent. Um, this um, documentary follows two people who have been impacted by dementia. Um, they've been diagnosed and their caregivers, which are their spouses, and really talks about the strain of um, the economics and managing the economics around care. So um, we have four guests joining us. I'm so, so happy to have with us the um, filmmakers of Spent, The Hidden Cost of Dementia documentary, Robert Ferrier and Daphne Glover. Um, they are the husband and wife filmmakers, I should say. Um, and um, joining us is also Robin Went. She is um, featured in the documentary um, about caring for her husband who sadly passed away. Um, and Mark Benke, who is also somebody who, uh, he's the partner of Robin now, um, but also lost his wife to dementia. So thank you all very much for joining us. Thanks, Right to see you all. So let's just start with the production of this documentary. Um, I, you know, first and foremost, Robert, Daphne, um, why was this an important documentary for you both to make? Well, um, my mom had dementia, and um, when when she f was first diagnosed, people were asking us, okay, when are you going to make a documentary about this? And my answer was never, because it was such a painful and close topic to for me. But we do do a lot in the public health realm, and as we started to um, go through this process of caring for my mom and figuring out the, the costs involved with, um, with caring for someone with dementia, we were just horrified. And we thought, you know what, as filmmakers, this is really, we hadn't seen anything that talked about that. And we thought we could make a film. And by then I was sort of emotionally ready to do it. That would really speak to that and be able to start a dialogue. And we thought, boy, this is something people really need to know about. Um, so they can be prepared for it, but also um, people who are in the boat need to be able to know where to go for help and what to do. And so that's kind of, um, that was the impetus for the idea was, was our caring for my mother, Betty. And, you know, I might add that um, we, you know, in caring for Daphne's mom, Daphne and her siblings, sort of, we were able to pull all our resources together and, you know, um, supplement Daphne's mom's limited income to pay for the care that she needed uh, and like all people who suffer from dementia need. Um, and, you know, when we were doing this, we were thinking to ourselves, gosh, you know, we, we have a family support group and we have the reason we, we were able to, you know, cobble together the resources, but we thought, you know, gosh, there's so many people out there who don't have this um, support group and do not have the resources. And you know, what are they doing? Where are they going? And, you know, the more we talk to people, we realize that this is actually something that not many people really talk about because dementia itself is, the disease itself is already, um, you know, some people sort of like, you know, go into their cells and don't really talk about the actual disease. And then 
finances on top of that disease make it a, a, an extra no, you know. Mm -hmm. So um, we thought, you know, let's let's start. A, let's do this film, get people talking. Absolutely. And I think one of the things is um, that we often hear from people in our community is it really creeps up on you. You know, it's not something people usually plan. And, and coupled with the fact that a diagnosis itself is so shocking and so rocking to people's worlds that I don't think the next natural thing to think about is how are we going to pay for this? Because actually care evolves and the further you get into this disease, the more care you you uh, need and it becomes more taxing. So Robin, tell us a little bit about um, your husband, um, how many years he lived with dementia. And, you know, I, I know you talk about the financial impact it had on your family as well. Yes, most definitely. And I, don't want to say that I was in any denial that he had dementia when it was sort of apparent with uh, certain things he was showing, but uh, I just didn't know about dementia at all, never been around it. And it actually took a cousin to tell me that he had it. So um, we had been living with some of the, uh, just the strange things that they tend to uh, do for, you know, I want to say from onset, probably uh, 10 years, seven years, certainly I knew. Um, so from diagnosis, it was seven years until he passed. And uh, we were small business owners. We were in the hospitality game in, in Cape May, New Jersey. We had a small bed and breakfast. And so it, we were ma and pa. And uh, he was the chef and maintenance god and all things considered. But uh, so the impact, you know, financially was, first of all, us having to step out of those roles and replace ourselves with others, um, you know, and pay so that they would stay. Uh, so, yeah, it was unfortunately with one of his symptoms was pretty much trying to run away from himself and that's when we ended up in Annapolis uh, moving from our home in New Jersey we sold uh, we did okay with that sale but then we bought on the high end in Maryland so it just started to snowball from there yeah um, and um, maybe you want to share with us too Mark um, what your circumstances were with your wife um, at the time um, you know she was diagnosed through the course of the disease um, well you know everybody's got such a unique journey um, mm -hmm. in my case uh, my wife <clears throat> excuse me was um, fairly early onset she uh, her onset of symptoms were before the age of 50 um, less than five years after I married her knowing what I do, we all do, uh, we, what we've learned about Alzheimer's now, I somewhat tongue in cheek, but not entirely, uh, tell people I basically married an Alzheimer's patient. Um, I used to joke that sometimes she could just have her blonde moments, but it turns out that those were maybe some of the earliest signs. <clears throat> and, and, you know, the Robin mentioned not wanting to say she was in denial, but denial is a fairly common thing that most of us I think used mm -hmm. to cope with a lot of stuff in life. And so as you were describing, you know, when somebody first gets diagnosed, immediately going to the next step and thinking about finances, if you are wanting to hold on to some 
hope and maybe a cure or treatment or life extension or something, probably one of the last places you want to go is the financial aspect of it, especially when, for as you said, Deborah, for the most of us, it's we're not prepared for it financially. It's going to be um, absolutely overwhelming. Uh, so staying away from that is is just you know you, you wake up each day and try to cope with the day, and the last thing you're thinking about is the finances. In my particular case, um, I had been fortunate enough to sell a business and and leave California right before the economic crisis hit, and so I actually was thought. I was just going to be fly fishing for a couple of years and then mm -hmm. I was going to have to figure out uh, my next chapter in Montana. Um, and little did I know that my next chapter was going to be close to a decade as a caregiver. Yeah, the um, it is actually astounding. And this is what Spent does um, a, a really good job of, of, you know, really making you realize this is an imminent crisis. This is not something that you know, oh, might not happen in our lifetime. I mean, it's here and it's only going to get worse. Um, I think, you know, this is um, to, to, to either one of you, Robert or, or Daphne, just uncovering um, and really highlighting that expense. Like, put that into perspective for us. What are we facing? Okay. Well, the, you know, the average cost um, for caring uh, for a loved one with dementia is around $70,000 a year. Um, and that doesn't include a lot of other, you know, ancillary costs. That's just the care that it takes to get a person through their daily life. Um, and what we found is really, which, which is unique, um, you know, it really has, it really is a middle-class crisis in a way, because if you have the money and the resources, then you can pay for the care and it, and it, sure you're impacted, but it's, it, it's not, you know, debilitating and of course if you're, you're impacted emotionally you're impacted emotionally obviously mm -hmm. but um, maybe not so much financially if you are um, in the poverty stricken then you there are you know programs available to you there's Medicaid that's available um, but if you're in the middle class then you know Medicare does not pay for any of these care costs you know it, it, it so that's where the middle class is really impacted the most we found so it's it's, it's kind of a and, you know, um, one of the things we found astonishing, I mean, we live um, in Annapolis near Washington, D.C., so, of course, the costs here are probably more expensive than maybe in other places, but it averages here about 10000 a month. So you're looking at $120,000 a year, and my mom had vascular dementia, so she didn't need care for as many years, but if you're talking about 10 years or more, that's a lot. I mean, you'd have to be very wealthy to still support another household where the rest of the family is living. It's just overwhelming. Absolutely. And and also the fact that, you know, there's a lot more people getting diagnosed younger. And we don't know whether that's just because we're getting better at diagnosing it or, you know, if environmental reasons, whatever. But but the fact of the matter is, if you take a, a, a two household uh, earning incomes and you reduce it to one, you know, there's an impact, you know, full stop. There's you you've lost, you know, half of your income that's that's generating wealth, savings, et cetera. So, I mean, maybe you could shed some light on this for us, um, either Robin or or Mark. Um, how did you plan, or did you plan um, once you had diagnosis? Like, did the savings dwindle? I mean, you you mentioned Robin, and I see you kind of chuckling because you you had to you were both working side by side for a small bed and breakfast type business, and that had to 
that could no longer be sustained. So what happens next? So Wolfgang had his meager social security. Um, I did take a, a small salary. Toward the end, I had to stop taking any money out of the inn because not being there as the primary owner uh, or you know running it myself, being able to have hands-on, I did lose um, a little ground. My manager and our chef were diligent, but it wasn't, you know, therefore, to, you know what I mean? It's uh, just a, a really half, hard nut to crack. Um, but they did look after the day-to-day, -day, the, the people, um, etc. And I was able to, you know, sort of do the books from home and, I did go over several days a week um, because I was a four hour now commute away from my business. So I did try to get in caregivers, $26 an hour, they only worked four hours. So there was a time where I could no longer uh, sustain that. I had to be his, I decided that I should be his primary caregiver. Um, I did, then find there was the point in time where I can't lose the business, even though uh, it wasn't really making any profits or anything. It was just kind of holding its own there. I felt, okay, well, I can't keep up with living in Annapolis. I have to now sell the house. We'd only been there four years. So kind of lost out on that. Um, we thought that was going to be our forever home. So we did put a little bit into improving some of those spaces and those aren't ones that you recoup easily or quickly. So we lost a little bit there. Um, moving back, I had to then rent a home in Annapolis, uh, sorry, in Cape May, um, was uh, then just challenged with how to go forward with caring for him and keeping things uh, revolving. Uh, I did then contract with an elder care lawyer to help me through the process. Uh, everyone kept sort of suggesting that I go into the Medicaid system for him. I was able to separate my <coughs> half, his half, you know. Well, he got, he was eligible, um, but he wasn't, uh, what do you say, um, when he was actually able to take Medicaid. He, he passed one week before his start of being on Medicaid. So, so it took you a long time to get through the process in order to get approval for Medicaid. It took a year to go through the process to get it all, you know, geared up. That cost about 12000 So it's all out of pocket. Nothing else is coming in except his, you know, meager... Uh, social and such and such. So, yeah, just kind of. And if I can, I'd, I'd like mm. to chime in with what Robert mentioned about this being a, a significant middle middle class. middle class crisis. You get squeezed in the middle, mm. um, and you know, all of a sudden, you start talking about Medicare and Medicaid, and then you start learning that depending on which state you reside in the conditions of Medicare and Medicaid and how it will work or not work so well for you are going to be different based on your jurisdiction. And, you know, in my case, I had what I thought were resources. I ultimately spent everything on taking care of my wife. I 
self-funded all of it and ended up with nothing. Um, but uh, as I began exploring my options, um, what I learned was in my particular state where we were residing of Montana, um, if I chose to accept services through the Medicaid system for my wife, um, the state would essentially run a meter keeping track of how much they spent for my wife's care. And that would essentially be a, a debit. And when she passed away, um, they would then place a lien on my house for up to 50% of the equity to recoup that money. Um, that was the condition in the state of Montana. I don't know how many other states there are that do it like that. Well, I got a letter from Medicaid after my husband had passed saying, we know your husband has died, and so now we are going to put a lien on your property. He didn't take a red cent, you know, and they just couldn't do, they had lost track of where they were at. I was furious. So I hear, I hear a lot of stories like this. I hear about people feeling like they have to spend down their earnings even to even qualify for um for Medicaid. And just to make the distinction for our audience, um, Medicare is provided for 65 and above. Um, Medicaid um, can provide for things like in-home care that wouldn't be covered under Medicare. So people uh, who um, are getting Medicare often need to supplement with Medicaid in order to get those extra services like in-home care um, that wouldn't be covered under Medicare. So just as the background to this. So, I mean, you two are really exemplifying why the system isn't really working to help people in the middle class and, you know, um, in, in order to care for their loved ones and also plan for a retirement. Um, so, you know, Robert and Daphne, I, I mean, through your research and creating SPENT, um, are there solutions on the horizon or is it really just bad news? I mean, we all know that the amount of dementia cases are increasing rapidly um, three times in the next few decades. So is there a solution that's being talked about out there? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, we don't want to be all doom and gloom, but there really isn't a whole lot. Uh, there's not a whole lot of answers. Um, in the federal government level right now. Uh, there's there's a lot of, you know, funding has been increased for Alzheimer's research, which is great. Um, but I do think that uh, we need to, to you know, hold our, our uh, legislators accountable and say, hey, listen, let's do something. What can we do to help um, these families? Uh, you know, and it takes political will. I mean, it takes that, you know, um, that wanting to um, help these these folks pay for their for their care of their loved ones. I mean, that's where it comes down to. Um, yeah, we're hoping that the film actually helps raise awareness so that people do think, OK, wait, we need to put policies into place mm -hmm. that can protect people so that the family of the caregivers um, don't lose everything in the in the meantime when we're trying to care for people. But on the on the good note, I suppose, is that, you know, our economist um, Julie Sissimopoulos from USC, one of her points is that even if if there's something that can can just it doesn't have to fully prevent the disease, but if it could postpone the onset of a disease, then then people still aren't looking as having to pay for care 
for as long of a period of time. And plus, of course, then we have the added benefit of that person is still an engaged member of their family and their community. And, and their caregiver is still a, a, a functioning part of, the, of society. Able and, and, to work and stuff. Yeah. So um, I feel like that's part of her hopeful good news is that you, you don't really need a home run to make a huge difference. You, we just need it to be a lot better so that, you know, perhaps people would never, they would die of something else before, before yeah. that. There, we have a, a viewer who just commented, maybe we need to lobby Congress to include Alzheimer's coverage in Medicare instead of having to go outside. Wouldn't that be nice if it just was <laughs> part nice. of the package? It really, <laughs> uh, you know, this, and I did true. get a little benefit from that. And also a doctor would come and do house calls. So I found that part of Medicare was, thing. I was okay. thankful for that. I think I think what we're doing right here um, is is a critical first step. The awareness. Um, people, generally speaking, are uh, just fearful of this experience, and yet, as you've said, Deborah, um, the vast majority of us are going to face it at one time or another. We're either going to be a patient, or there's going to be somebody in our family or in our immediate circle that is going to be dealing with this. And getting the experience out and that inevitability and trying to move people beyond just wanting to run away from it to let's talk about it. Acceptance. I, I, yeah, yeah. And, and accepting it. I think a lot of healthy things can come from that, including legislatively and politically. Mm -hmm. uh, more people like us just talking about what the experience was like. And even though... Um, you know, Robin and I have these, you know, some semi-horrific sounding stories. We're here to say that it, it turned into a very positive experience in our lives and you can come out on the other side yeah. and be open to those possibilities. Yeah. And, and you know, and, and <laughs> the way that Robin and I met in support groups online, that's a whole new thing that didn't exist 15, 20 years ago. Um we would not be here and would not know each other if it wasn't for social media and support groups uh, online where people can connect over these things. So I think that's where the groundswell starts. I was just going to say, um, my, my last question to you was like ending on a positive note. You This <laughs> brought you two together, right? And so that's a beautiful thing, um, which is as you talk to me from your the lovely wine country in New Zealand, um, I think there's positives to the end of the story. So that's that's great. And, uh, you know, I completely agree with you in, in terms of um, we were talking about this earlier before we turned the video on, which is the importance of companionship with one another. Um, uh, like people going through the same thing and navigating together um, makes the experience much more tolerable um, for uh, anyone impacted by dementia. So we're so grateful um, to you all for sharing this story. Um, and, you know, both to you, um, Robert and Daphne, for producing this documentary called Spent the Hidden Cost of Dementia. Um, you can download it on Vimeo. Is that right? We can include a link as well. Um, 
And, you know, it, it really is a heartfelt story. In fact, you featured um, Jeff Borgoff is um, one of our advisors at Being Patient. He's been um, instrumental and great in helping us here at Being Patient. And, and he's also featured um, in the documentary. And, you know, we're really grateful for you to you for raising awareness around this issue. It's such an important one and one that needs a lot of thought um, to happen now and not not wait for any longer. Um, so thank you, all of you, uh, for joining us and sharing your stories with us. Um, hopefully more people can see the documentary um, and see your story too, Robin. And uh, thanks to all. Thank you. Thank you. Um, if you want more, um, if you want to see more about uh, of this interview and you missed any of it, or we'll supply you with the link um, to the documentary, please visit beingpatient.com. Um, sign up for our newsletters because that's when we're telling you when we are having talks and what the topics are. If you have suggestions for us, please email us at info at beingpatient.com. Tell us who you want to hear um, from, what you want to talk about. We're open to your suggestions. So thanks very much for watching. It's wonderful.